Welcome to the 6D Helmets Kickstart Podcast. It is the Monday after High Point Raceway. Uh, I'm Don Maeda, joined by Mike Antonovich, and today we have Brock Tickle in the house. And uh, man, the race was just uh, first race on the East Coast, right, Anton? Yep. And uh, a lot different from the West Coast, harder pack tracks. or You would think, but then a lot of High Point is super hard pack, mm-hmm. like a lot of those valleys off by the pit area. Um and the jump faces are like concrete. So it looked like Paula in some areas and then other areas, especially those downhill rollers after the Ricky tunnel, mm-hmm. that's just chewed up and technical. That looks like no fun at all. Tick, you were posting some pictures of you on the podium at High Point. So what yeah. are your High Point memories? Yeah, High Point's one of my, I would say, favorite places to go on the circuit. Um, I always qualified good in practice there. Actually, my first year pro um, qualified first in the lights class there, which at oh. the time people thought like, I cut the track or something, but I grew did up, you? I did some regionals and <laughs> now, but I did some regionals there growing up. So, um, I like the track and this year you, I think Anton was right. The track looked very, uh, hard, harder than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's still ruts, but it looked more choppy and hard packed than, than what it normally is. Yeah. Like the new section they added in off to the side where it went through the woods, that mm-hmm. stuff was great. Cause all that dirt was fresh. It hasn't been beaten down for the last 30 years yeah um and the way they tilled it was really nice but it was still even dusty in some parts and hmm. kind of windy but like overall it was a great day i mean that was it was a huge difference from the those first three races and you can tell the guys are ready for the summer now yeah that part right after the start kind of turning left double double doubling down take mm-hmm. is that a like super hard section of track it looks really technical mm-hmm. like my strength obviously is being consistent and hitting my marks so mm-hmm. like for me that is not i wouldn't say it's easy but that's something i'm decent at so mm-hmm. like that's where i would make up time on people that make really? mistakes there so like obviously both classes the top nothing against anybody else i would obviously the top 10 is strong in both classes um, but the top six, you take those guys or top mm-hmm. five from both. It's, it's pretty impressive the mm-hmm. speed that they're going. And you have to like hit your mark every time through there because I mean, you saw I mean, with, what sure happened with Cooper. Ruddy, right? Oh yeah. I mean, they're like foot <clears throat> deep ruts and there's really one line. Everybody wants to hook to that inside Yeah. and then hop through a couple guys went wide. Adam was going wide. Yeah. And that seemed like it was better. Um, because if you missed that first one, it threw your rhythm off all the way, but then you'd be like halfway down and then kind of like. I guess G out a little bit, and then you just hear guys panic rev. So like Cooper's crash was burly, yeah, I was and it was say really that was... good that he got off of that one. But March Banks, that's the second year in a row he's crashed in the same spot. Mm. I didn't know he crashed there last year too. Did yeah, he? that's where he did his knee. Oh, okay. And then this year he just face planted right into the ground. So yeah. that was. I, I always when I see that kind of area, isn't that sort of where JG crashed and his bike ghost rode into the tundra that was parked there? That's kind of about the same area, it, right? and it's about the same area that Garth got hit too, where Nicoletti's bike oh, went off the track. Yeah, that poor guy. Garth's been hit twice. Who's the other one? I don't remember. He got Garth got clobbered at uh, the Vegas Supercross in like an LCQ or something. Oh, yeah. over a berm or something. No, somebody flew off the track oh, okay. and, and tagged him. Yeah, He's, I'm always sketched out by some of that stuff. Yeah, you got to be like super aware of what's going on. Yeah. Have you ever hit a, almost hit a photographer tick? Mm, I'm sure I have. <laughs> I'm sure I have. I just don't remember. It was not that close. Yeah. Obviously, if it was you, it probably would be close. But yeah, you probably, know how that yeah. is when you're riding. Sometimes stuff seems closer than what it actually is. Yeah. Like when you Especially see, when you have control. You know what I mean? When you see us goofballs at 
like Paula are shooting photos and stuff like that, and some guys that are super close to the track, are you ever thinking like you idiots need to move because somebody is going to get out of control and just annihilate you? I think most of you guys understand. You guys have rode and understand where not to stand. Obviously, you guys can get close in certain places and it not be a problem, but there are some guys that I have seen stand in the wrong place Mm -hmm. for guys for for being at public track. Yeah, I think guys, I think photographers that ride, yeah, they understand it for sure. But uh, so Anton, what was the uh? What was the big thing this weekend? What was the coolest thing you saw or the most surprising thing? Um, Baggett winning. After like the way that this has started out where it's just not gone well and yeah. you know, his hand has not been very good. and That looked like Blake in like pro circuit days where he just like got the start and just blew everybody out. Mm-hmm. Like the first Eli lap. all 17 laps. Yeah, I mean, halfway through the first lap when I saw where Eli was, I was like, eh, he's going to have – this like this is going to set up to be a good race and then when Eli went down in that turn before the big quad jump it's like yeah Baggett's got it and mm-hmm. that was a great ride for him because he needs it right now um those first three were not good yeah then he got messed up in the second moto yeah bad start no yeah. it crashed uh crashed. you know like he that faced, yeah yeah he like landed off that after that the mm-hmm. big quad or whatever he landed up there in that top corner and then like just face knifed the front and Ooh. crashed so. yeah I guess like he like full face right yeah. into the ground that's not good no so brock are you uh are you watching the races on your phone on the nbc app or yeah i, I normally just do it airplay um to my tv mm-hmm. um i didn't get to watch all of both 250 motos i watched the majority of both of them um like i said that class is stacked as well that top five um pretty much all the all the star guys sexton lawrence AC, I mean, that whole group is mm-hmm. setting the tone for everybody. And I think uh, if everybody stays healthy, we'll have an interesting. Yeah, I was I was pumped to see Lawrence get his first win. Mm-hmm. No, it was rad. Um, it's crazy, too, how like that. All three of the star guys were there. Yep. And AC battled through all of them in the second moto. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's tight. I mean. It's going to be good. I think that that <laughs> win's going to put Hunter on to that next level. Um Something was amiss with Cooper. Like I think the just just he just didn't have it that day. And then he had that running with Ferranda that like booted him off the track, and he never really bounced back from that. So I think that if Hunter can like string some stuff together, he could take that place of where Cooper was through those mm-hmm. first three rounds. Yeah, that was the first first moto Cooper didn't win, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been winning them all. But um, did you talk to him at all? No, he didn't seem very pumped. And then Ferrandis made a comment on the podium. They asked her, like, hey, you know, you made some contact with your teammate. What was up with that? And he's like, well, I was faster, so I had to move him to go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, he really is going to let them know. The lights class just kills me. Yeah, that's that awesome. age, those age, those, those dudes are hilarious. Are just, they get, They're just they, aggro? No, they get bent about stuff sometimes. Like, the 450 guys all respect each other to a certain extent. Uh-huh. But, like, I mean, in Ferrandis, he was better than Cooper at the time. I feel like the pass was fair. He was next to him. He was inside, so... If you're Cooper, you shut off the gas and move over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it seems like uh, Ferrandis got really good starts this weekend as opposed to what he's been doing. I think that there's still like a miss, though. Like There's something that is keeping him back because he, there's no need that he should be that far back in those yeah. first five laps. He should be top two, top three guy every time. Mm-hmm. All the other star bikes are. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like There's something with him, and I think his setup might be like completely different than other guys because yeah. he's off on his own. Yeah, for sure, because... Uh, Justin Cooper came on the Swap One Live show last week that mm-hmm. we taped, and uh, <clears throat> it was funny. I asked him off the camera, like, "Hey, Ferrandis is like his own separate team, huh? Within a team." And he goes, "Oh yeah, he doesn't even talk to us, or yeah, 
Hangman like any, is or anything, but even if you go to the local tracks, and I'm sure you've seen it because I know you have, like oh yeah, the three guys will be there on yeah. the side and his little Chevy, and then everybody else is over by the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you ever experienced that? Like been on a team where there's a team within a team. I mean, Pro Circuit had. I mean, everybody there was obviously pretty team related, but I mean, you have your separation, but it creates that push for each rider to want to be better than the other. Almost, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Obviously, Swanee has his group of guys, and then DV has Ferrandis. But I think it's I think it's good to throw somebody in the mix, and you know what I mean. With DV mm-hmm. doing his thing, they're gonna feed off of it as well. So like, it kind of creates more more pressure for everybody. And I think too, like Ferrandis is so he needs to be that way. Like him and DV need to be their own French deal because when he first came here and he had to be on the Swanee program, he didn't like it, and mm. it showed. Like he was miserable. So him being off on his own deal allows him to be what he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, who did you train with when you were? RCH. Uh, so I started with Swanee in 14 when he first started doing mm-hmm. stuff. It was me and Cooper Webb. Um, so that's where I pretty much started. And then I went to Alden. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't really Swanee's top guy, but we got along good cause we're older. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're both mature and whatnot. He didn't have to pamper me to do stuff or, you know what I mean? Be on top of me all the time. So, um, he kind of set the tone for me. I said, I would say training wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously went to Alden and then basically learned a little bit there, but overall, all these guys, I think have pretty much similar structure and, mm-hmm. and plan. Do you think, uh, I mean, Swanee's a former top level guy, you know, did GPs and, and mm-hmm. nationals here. Does a trainer that has racing experience have better insight than someone who doesn't, say like Alden, or is Alden just so gnarly that it doesn't matter? Well, it's kind of different. I think it's however you mend with with the guy you're working with. Um, I kind of struggled a little bit at Alden's because the accountability was super, super high, and there's days when I just didn't feel good and couldn't push it, mm-hmm. and I got <clears throat> ate up whenever I got hounded about that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was I was trying my hardest. Maybe it didn't show but it was my hardest that at that, that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's what I struggled with, but I think it's how you bond with, with the person you're working with that, mm-hmm. that makes you go to the next level. If you're happy, you're going to mm-hmm. do good. So kind of like you said with Ferrandis, he's more happy doing what he's doing now than what he was doing before. So, and it shows. Do you think that Alden, despite never writing the fact that he's been around moto every day for 20 years, he's kind of leapfrogged past that. I don't know the technique firsthand, but I can tell you what you're doing. Well, I think he uses the lit pro. Obviously, uses the lit pro a lot, um, and we we film we we did film every session or had somebody film mm-hmm. every session when we we're in Florida. So like, I it was kind of hard to be like you've never even rode a dirt bike, but he did have film, and that's what I got off on more. Yeah. I could I could see it mm-hmm. instead of him telling me I suck there, or I need to be better there. He could show you data that proved it, or even the video. I could yeah. just see it. When you see it, you see yourself doing it, it just makes it a lot easier for you mm-hmm. to accept it. But sometimes it's hard as a rider, especially when you feel like you're pushing it to, to have somebody hound you when you feel like you're doing everything. You hop on my bike. Yeah. Like I just put in my effort. <laughs> no, for real. I just put in my effort as hard as I could. And you're going to tell me I wasn't good enough. Yeah. So, but then when you watch film, it kind of makes you open back up. On those Red Bull series, they've always shown like him kind of cracking the whip on guys and it seems like everybody takes it pretty well because, like, they don't want to backtalk him. It would be like, you don't want to backtalk your dad. But, yeah. like, do you just get heated? I mean, like, there was times, yeah. Where you're just I like, mean, dude, really? I mean, there was multiple <laughs> times, like, yeah, I got heated. But it was – it sucks because whenever you're in the moment, you're heated. But 
then whenever you cool down, you're like, he just wants me to do better. Mm-hmm. So it kind of is one of those give and take things. Um, but it's difficult. It was difficult for me. That change was, was tough for me. But right before I got suspended, I feel like I had it figured out. I was balancing um, what I wanted to and what I didn't want to mm-hmm. um, to feel good. And I felt good. Mm-hmm. So the race next weekend is WW Ranch in Florida. It's going to be brutal. I feel it's bad gonna for you. It's going to be hot, huh? I feel really bad for you. <laughs> uh, I talked to everybody. Yeah, I talked to everybody um, for a write-up I'm going to do, like part of that track preview thing that we've been doing with Scott. Yeah. And uh, they did a test day down there to try some changes on the track, and I guess it's been like record-breaking heat and humidity <sighs> down there lately. But the track is supposed to be sick. So even though Florida is like completely flat and it's a swamp, it's supposed to be great racing. Uh, they have all those split lanes and some big options. And when Dominic and I went to the GP, that's an amazing place. Like mm-hmm. for a pro rider, that's a great place to go. Um, but yeah, it's going to be hot. It's going to be yeah. a real test for guys this year. The first one. Have you been there? I went there for the, um, it makes GP. Yeah. Um, I've never rode there, but obviously it, the, the conditions are going to be tough mm-hmm. weather wise and track condition wise, I think, um, due to the sand and, and another thing, I think the next couple of races are going to be hot too. So mm-hmm. If it doesn't show this weekend, it's going to show the following weekend and the following weekend because Red Bud is going to probably be hot too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a there's a bunch of events in a row. Obviously, if the, whoever I think the group of guys that are winning right now or have the championship, if they can hold on to through this f- mm-hmm. for till the next break, they'll be dialed. It's going to be. I mean, it's been four races where it hasn't been over 80 degrees and yeah. it's been cloud cover. Like I wore a hoodie and a jacket all day, all morning up point? until like 12 o'clock. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's great and all it's good for us, but when it hits like a hundred degrees and it's 90% humidity, guys are going to be really, really struggling. Yeah. It's going to be a big test. And I think the biggest person that that's going to come down to is we're going to see his kin good or not right now. And I think mm-hmm. he should be okay right now. Well, he's living in Florida. He should be used to it. Well, I just mean on that <clears throat> energy thing where the Lyme thing has been yeah. such a hindrance to him since then. So you're saying I should take a camel back this weekend? Yeah, you <laughs> should start around. like Pedialyte every night. Yeah, nice. Um, Tick, what do you think? Um, so you know, you, you lived it with the Alden thing, where you based out of the East Coast, where it's hot yeah. and humid. Do guys that are training and living in that have an advantage over the SoCal guys that go there? Like the Star guys are all here, right? Yeah. Are they all going to go to WW this weekend, and it's going to be like punch in the face? It's weird. I think it comes down to the the rider. Um, For me, when I raced, I've been here since 2009, basically 2008. um, And I've just been good in the heat. The Mm -hmm. hotter races, I normally am one of the stronger guys. Um, But I think it comes down to, like I said, the rider. If they're, I don't know, it's like a, I don't know if it's genetics or Mm -hmm. something or the way they handle heat, but each each guy, even if they train in it, I think it doesn't make that big of a difference. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. But, um, I think some guys will get confidence if they're training the heat, but for me, I had confidence that I was going to be fine no matter what I did. So that's just how I treated it. Mm-hmm. I think it's like what Emig said on your t- on the show, like at the studio, like you would gotta be in that mental space of like this isn't going to affect me. I'm just going to go out and like bulldog through it. Yeah. Did you ever have a race where you were so hot and overheated that you were like seeing cricket or anything? Like 
I mean, couldn't wait to get off the track. Get I think Millville 2012 <clears throat> second moto. I think that was, if you go look at the results, I think there was only like 22 people who finished the moto. Oh. Red butt 11 was bad. No, that one was bad too. So like there was multiple times that had second motos. I literally was seeing spots on the way back from the finish line. Mm. Bud's Creek one year, uh, IT Tedesco's last year. He did the last lap 14. without a helmet on. Like, because he just cooked himself. Like, he fell mm-hmm. over, stalled the bike. Was kicking it, right? Was kicking it. <laughs> just ripped his helmet off and finished the race without a helmet on because he was so out of it. Wow. But, like, that... that he doesn't year, even remember it. He doesn't said. even remember it. Wow. Uh, Red Butt 11, because that was the last summer that I lived back in Illinois, it had been, like, brutally hot that whole that whole year. And even at, like, 7.30 in the morning, it was already 98 degrees. Mm-hmm. It was miserable. That's the year that Lichtel passed away, unfortunately. But even then, like at the end of the night, my brain was fried. Like I yeah. couldn't tell you what had happened that day because it was so hot. So what do you do to prepare for a hot race? Like nutrition-wise in the days leading up? And what about gear-wise? It starts. Like honestly, some guys think, oh, I need to. They're like, oh, it's Wednesday night. I need to start hydrating now. It's uh-huh. too late. Yeah. I mean, you can maybe go. You can maybe get to the point where you're good. But it starts after the, after the weekend before. So mm-hmm. uh, replenish after the weekend before stay hydrated during the week i think do your motos but get in and get out like don't waste time in the in the heat during the week as well mm-hmm. like if you are you're going to be planning on doing two motos on tuesday or whatever the case may be do your motos have a time schedule and get out of there and go home mm-hmm. hey this is something that i noticed uh this weekend and you being in florida for the time that you were does being on the east coast and not having that huge three-hour time shift help you guys because especially for a national i think for me it was I wasn't there long enough, but it was nice during mm. Supercross. So, like, right before I couldn't race anymore, like, we went Indy, Daytona. Like, it was nice. We drove to Tampa, Daytona. Mm-hmm. Like, that was really nice. So, obviously, there's positives there. Obviously, Alden's facility is nice, too, and the tracks are all well-maintained. So, like, there, it was nice to ride something different mm-hmm. for a change. Because, like, the three-hour time zone thing just, like, beat me up this weekend. Oh, like, Unadilla, outdoor-wise, uh, from here is bad if you're racing. So, mm-hmm. um, and with Pro Circuit and even with RCH, I would ride it Thursday at Glen Helen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Leave the next morning at 4.30 in the morning or 3.30 in the morning to Not go to the airport. Until 7.30 exactly. So, yeah. rush to go get dinner and then then you got to drive 45 minutes to the track. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of moving around before you actually get to go racing. Yeah, for me, even the the weird flight patterns between Ontario and Jacksonville, I've, I've got to leave. I'm flying on a red-eye Thursday night to get there at, like, lunchtime Jeez. on Friday. Yeah. It's And, like, <clears throat> it's going to be the same thing to go to Southwick for me, I think. Mm-hmm. And then this weekend, like, wasn't too bad, but it's little stuff like that that over time just, like, it wears you down because I went to go to sleep Thursday night at the hotel and it was three o'clock in the morning on Friday, which is only midnight here, but it throws your whole schedule off. And for a racer, like yeah. you guys have to be sharp as soon as you wake up. There's no like, well, I can sink into the groove. You have to be ready to go at nine o'clock. And you have to get up pretty early too. Yeah. So like if it is 45 minutes at a track, especially whatever rider riders meetings at seven thirty. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. eat breakfast hammer it all out yeah i mean you could miss breakfast but that isn't the smartest thing to do on race day yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh i think you didn't finish that question or the answer but yeah. like did for the heat yeah gear wise did you do anything it's like mm. like i'm actually bummed i never got to run the alpine star boots i have now yeah they have the sole is vented uh-huh. the front's vented it's really nice but um there when i was young i i would run one of those like weight loss black you know what i'm talking about like the, 
the top? So, yes, Sweat I used to suit? wear that, and that's not the right thing to do. <clears throat> to get ready? Let's be honest. No, I would do it on Mondays before the hot races to, like, try to, like, acclimate yourself. Yes. Yeah. And it obviously that is not the right, because all I'm doing is wearing myself down. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, in 11, you wore the store gear when you were at PC mm-hmm. that had that red, white, and blue on the back. And yep. I, you gave me that jersey, and it was so thick. Like, it's, oh, like, the, almost the as thick iron as... On. Yeah, but the iron-on is glitter. Dude, yeah. I don't know how you rode in that thing because it was so – it was like wearing what would have to be a suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing I would do, honestly, is make sure the jersey had some ventilation, mm-hmm. um, have those microfiber cloths in the in the ice cooler yeah. at the track, and then when I go down to the line, put one around my neck, and then mm-hmm. have my mechanic keep one in a bag, and then if I needed it before the hot lap or another one, then throw it on or whatever. Does, does starting off cool like that make it feel worse when it dries out and you get hot? Or does it help mm. delay it? I mean, at the, at the time, it feels good. So that's kind of, it's one of those time things. Like yeah. at the moment, it's good. But I don't know actually if it actually upsets it more. Um, obviously, it brings down your core temperature a little bit. Mm-hmm. So obviously, it should help a little bit. Was it ever so hot in the race that you're able to just jump into your ice water trash can like straight off? Or was it always hard to get in? In Millville, I like Millville 12, second moto, I, I remember riding around like i'm not lying i got two laps to go and i was riding around passing people mm-hmm. like i was probably going i don't know five seconds slower than what i was in the beginning uh-huh. but i was still passing guys and i ended up fifth the second moto and i've crashed the first lap or something <laughs> so like it shows that heat can really if it's really hot it can make a big difference on on riders and and it doesn't really matter honestly it puts a big variable in there for guys that are fast in practice like I think that's one thing a lot of guys get mixed up with is they're so about practice. Like mm-hmm. it does mean something, but at the end of the day, are you getting paid to be fast in practice or do good or be solid during the day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a balance there. You got to create within yourself to know that you can go out there and do it no matter if you're 15th in practice or, or if you're first. Mm-hmm. Did you, um like you being an East coast kid growing up, did you, like excel really well in hot weather or was it just like what you guys had to do that's what i I mean i mean i grew up southeast i rode a lot um when i was younger so like i was in the heat a lot and i was always good at loretta's when it was hot Mm. um so i think it's one of those things i'm just decent whenever it's hot so um yeah cool well hey let's (laughs) take a quick break to uh hear from our sponsors but we will be right back brock tickle Hey everyone, it's Cooper Webb from the Red Bull KTM Factory Racing Team. Summer is here and it's the perfect time to get to your local track and ride. Right now, you can get up to $1,500 in factory cash on select KTM SXF models. This factory cash incentive can be used toward the purchase of a motorcycle or KTM power parts or power wear products. See your local KTM participating dealers or head to KTM.com-US for more details. In 2013, 6D Helmets forever changed the way we think about motorcycle safety helmets. With its patented omnidirectional suspension system to help absorb rotational impacts, the original ATR1 helmet swept through the industry and was received with open arms by riders and racers alike. The new 6D ATR2 and ATR2U are even better than the original and carry a limited three-year warranty and a unique technology that allows the helmet to be rebuilt after most crashes. Visit 6dhelmets.com for more info. Hi, this is 250 Supercross Champion Chase Sexton of the Geico Honda Team. To get the most performance out of your motocross bike, make sure you're using the Yoshimura exhaust systems. 
Visit Yosh at yoshbeard-rd.com to see their wide line of slip-ons and complete systems for your bike today. Now enjoy the Swap Moto Live Kickstart podcast. All right, welcome back to the 60 Helmets Kickstart podcast. Uh, Don Maeda with Michael Antonovich and Brock Tickle. So, Tick, this summer, you're just, uh, I heard you're working at a car wash or something, right? <laughs> no, I'm trying to figure out things to do. Um, I'm studying for that personal trainer thing right now, and oh. honestly, it is taking up some of my time, so that's good. Um, but for the most part, I'm still going to just stay training and Stay-ray try to just, shit. yeah, I don't want to burn myself out, but I kind of have a good base built up. I just want to maintain, and yeah. um, hopefully by November, start riding supercross pick, mm-hmm. pick a bike or see who wants to help um maybe start contacting some people now um here in the next month or so and just put some feelers out for what's going on for next year um yeah. obviously it's not till february when i can race so what's the day in february the 10th so two ten twenty. yeah yeah I saw that hashtag yeah yeah i think i'll start using the hashtag yeah. too but uh man i was really disappointed when i heard the you know the two-year mark yeah because it just ruins your chance of an entire season, you know? Yeah, to a certain extent. I, I mean, at first I was kind of bummed. I was like, why couldn't they just made it December 31st or January 1st or whatever? But, I mean, I'll be – I'm being 100% realistic right now. I know the guys that need rides. I know what's available. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing against any of the teams out there that would be willing to sign me. But I think I'd be better off, like, either st- – waiting until a fill-in spot is available Mm -hmm. or setting up something on my own um to be honest because there's dean seeley bogle i mean there's a whole bunch of guys Mm -hmm. that that have been racing i know Mm -hmm. to me i feel like i'm better than i'm i don't want to discredit any of them but i feel like i am better for the whole year than all of them on Mm -hmm. paper um but with me not racing for the last two years that puts me behind all of them i think i mean i think you're exactly right you should do like a fill-in ride and wait because about the time that your suspension would be up is when guys start getting hurt yeah the teams start needing something and that's typically about that time of year that you start excelling too like yeah midway through the year is when you usually come on and then that takes away any pressure for you of like well i have this deal i have to prove to everybody that i haven't been like jacking around the last yeah year. for sure i think uh you know obviously i know firsthand you're still in gnarly shape and you're active and you're see you at the track riding hammering motos and Dude, I think at Glen Helen the other day, you were going faster than like a bunch of guys that have rides. I mean, I was. Yeah, no, I know you were. <laughs> I saw you. I'm not going to name names, but I was watching you. So obviously, you're still sharp, right? So yeah, you're still no. sharp. You're still in shape. But is there something you lose from a lack of actual gate drops? I mean, most definitely you do. Um, so I don't expect. Obviously, me being good during the week is great. But like, I know when it comes time to race. There's a lot of other variables in it. Mm-hmm. I haven't been on the gate. Um, haven't had that intensity yet. So it's uh, it's kind of one of those things I'll just have to get back in the swing of things whenever it's time to. Um, obviously, I can't race mm-hmm. or perform at any event that's athletic. So kind of that takes away that competition side that yeah. I can gain that intensity from. So there's no – obviously there's no like – motocross racing but there's no mountain bike racing no so it's super yeah it's super gray the area in the in the wada and fim code for for ineligibility for for myself um so i don't think it's worth taking the risk yeah Yeah. i mean obviously 
it's just tough because it's not it's just kind of stupid to be honest i think <laughs> it's so, so gray that i feel like if i did something even small that they could say that um and penalty is to a double ban yeah so yeah it's difficult like they did testing this weekend and it's great i mean i get why they have it but like dude some of the stuff they have is just a joke like it's such a bullshit system of the way that they're going to have to go through this and then the no communication thing like for you this has been yeah zero communication zero communication and and the way it is too it's just so bureaucratic like it's not it's not a system that works it's just tough for our sport in general i know it could be different for other sports but i mean i've lived in this sport i've been part of this sport since i was young Mm -hmm. and this isn't motocross (laughs) the way this is handled so for me it's like a we're all a community, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that's like bringing an outside community in that isn't part of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that just kind of ruins the vibe, especially in my situation. Mm-hmm. Well, especially too, because then we have to alter everything to fit their program. And there's no anything for us. Like it, it would be one thing if you had only a select few events a year, but you have 29 yeah. races that you're trying to squeeze in and to have to wait and figure out, well, can I do anything? And you don't get an answer for nine yeah. months is just unacceptable. Well, so basically I, I sent an email asking, could you give me a list of some things or hint around what I can and can't do? Mm-hmm. The email states, everything can be found on the FIM website under our code. 12.2.2. Does. So like, that's just frustrating. Cause like I'm trying to be proactive. Yeah. And then I get kicked in the face, yeah. basically. So, do they recommend that you contact like WADA USADA, or do they you have to strictly go I to the FIM? I haven't talked to anybody at WADA. Do you think that would help, or would it make a difference? Mm, no. So it's kind of it, obviously FIM. It's FIM's deal. Uh, it's through them, but WADA oversees it. So it's kind of that's what I mean. I think what happens is the finger gets pointed here, the finger gets pointed there, the finger gets pointed there, and the the person in trouble or that's mm. dealing with it doesn't know what to do or mm-hmm. how to deal with it. So that's kind of the issue as well. Hey, I saw <clears throat> I saw on the back end, I think it's not public yet, but your Moseman mm-hmm. drug test it's funny. thing. Yeah, Mike Michael Moseman got drug tested this weekend. He's just like, blah, 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 talking about it. But like, do they when you're drug test, do they have to watch the pee coming out of your wiener? Yeah. Really? Especially, especially USADA. USADA isn't as bad, but um, the Wada group that does Supercross, they straight. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. But when we had, did they have motorhome this weekend? Yep. Yeah. So I got tested there in 17. Um, it's strange. Eight of us in a motorhome just sitting there waiting to go pee. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Like, even though I saw the motorhome this weekend, I'm like, man, I've never seen this camper here. And then I saw a bunch of people in like polo shirts. I'm like, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. Because it's totally a different thing. And you just have to sit there and wait. And you can't drink too much water. You dilute the sample too much. And. It's a mess. Yeah, so it's a big I, process. USADA, I have some respect for to a certain extent. Obviously, I haven't had a problem with them because I passed the test with them. And but you do get an email that you passed the test at least. Mm-hmm. In years past with Supercross events, I've gotten tested and no email. So like we're sitting here like curious Waiting. if we even passed. You know what I mean? So and as a rider, we do know how important it is, but mm-hmm. it's. Like one of those things, it'd be nice to have some assurance that we're good or bad. Yeah. So when um so Minneapolis Supercross was the week after the whole San Diego thing happened, and the Feld guys like us, Prater, Gendro, 
uh, Mathis, me, Wygant, like quite a few people sat yeah. in this room and went over like just things that were going on. And as the Lyme incident moved away, Mathis brought up, he's like, hey, Tickle, like, can we get an answer? It's been a year now. Yeah, yeah. And Jindra was really positive and said like they were pushing for it. Um, it seems like the industry supported you really well. Have other people in higher up positions fought for you, you feel, or has it been just kind of you left on your own because they can't get too tied into it? Well, it's kind of, I don't want to, obviously I appreciate the help from the people that did help me. Um, they know who they are, but it was almost too late at that point. So they weren't there in the beginning. So I kind of look at that differently myself, but I do appreciate the help they did try to do. Um, but it was crunch time mm-hmm. and it, I feel like it was too late. I feel like maybe if we were a little bit earlier in the, in the deal, not a year later, yeah. Um, maybe it could have helped me out in the long run. Yeah, that that was a bummer when we realized that there's no competition allowed and everything. Yeah. Because, like, remember we were trying to build that bike for straight rhythm? Yeah. You know, thinking it was fine. It was just like a fun. Even your race. Yeah. The, the, the slam, slam, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> obviously, the events like that would be fun for me. Um, but, like I said, I just got to hold tight and do what I can for now and um, just be ready, I guess, whenever February comes around and uh, – fill this gap in with other stuff like I'm doing that personal trainer thing. So I'm kind of excited. That'd be something mm-hmm. after racing. If I want to do something with it, I can. Um, and I'm not, I'm not losing anything. I'll do it. I'm learning and mm-hmm. maybe it'll make me even better on the bicycle. So on your Instagram this weekend, you had a picture of just a bunch of like 15 syllable words written down. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's your study, study guide, right? You're yeah. saying that you have to write stuff down and remember it. Well, it's just tough. Cause there's so <clears> many words that are similar and they're really long and complicated mm-hmm. and they all mean different things. So what the best thing for me to do is write it down and write down the definition or what it's related to mm-hmm. that way it's in my head. Um, and I have notes to follow over again before. Um, so it's a 10 module, uh, basically study mm-hmm. and each module I thought was going to be pretty easy because the first two, they made it really simple and then got to the third one. It was tough. And then now I'm on the fourth one and it's really yeah, they stepped it up. Now there's like four chapters I have to read, and they're not easy mm. to understand. And there isn't much interest in this chapter I'm in, so that's what's kind of oh the boring stuff. Yeah. Do you think like knowing all this now is going to give you a better appreciation for the whole training that goes into it? Because probably in the past you're like, got to put the work in because like it's a necessary thing. But now you understand what the benefit is. Yeah, and like another thing I noticed too, like the stretching and like foam rolling and um that kind that type of thing is really big like i notice i can almost do an assessment on myself after reading mm-hmm. um and i've been working on it and i do feel better mm-hmm. so it's been kind of cool to see that side of it mm-hmm. um i've had something wrong with my foot cuz i've been running quite a bit and in in my study i found out kind of maybe what it was and i started right. doing what they said to do and i mm-hmm. it feels better so yeah oh, nice. so it's been kind of cool to learn the smaller stuff and learn how the muscles are doing this and doing that and small twitch or fast twitch versus slow twitch and this and that. So it's been cool to learn in depth how it actually works. How much of the stuff that you're studying is, you know, it's a lot of muscle stuff and body stuff. Yeah. How much is nutrition? Mm, it, there's only a small, there's only one chapter in the, in the study about nutrition. <laughs> um, obviously um, they have the way they think 
and with that and with um, cardio training, mm-hmm. they have like their own assessment that they and program and protocol they follow, mm-hmm. which I don't 100% agree with, but it is a good baseline for across the board. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But for our sport, it doesn't relate as much as it should. Do you look at some of the stuff you're learning now and like think back three, five years and like, wow, we really don't know. Like maybe as a racer, we're not as educated on certain things that we should be. Well, I definitely think it's important that you know a little bit more about your body than, than just listening to, I mean, I guess for, for young guys, I think it's important to have a trainer to hold them accountable. And I think that's what will get results Mm -hmm. for the time being. But as you get older, you're going to get smarter. You're going to figure things out. And I think once you get to a certain age where you're mature and can handle learning Mm -hmm. and handling the stresses of everything else, I think it's a good idea to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, this is like a big deal. I mean, this sucks, but you're really making like the best have a bad situation because yeah. I think, say you, you know, you race 2020 and you race till 2022 or whatever. Yeah. You are going to be so much far ahead for the next chapter of your life. However, you put that in because you're going to be an asset to some racer or some team because you're going to have experience that not a lot of people have. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, that's what I, that's why I'm going to just devote my time to doing this and getting it done right. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even do another maybe do a nutrition certification or something just to do it. And I mean, it won't take long. I've read a little bit about it. So, um, if I get through this and I'm still like wanting to learn and not burn out on it, I think I might do something like that to, to take up more time, but it's still been fun to learn stuff that Mm -hmm. I've known about it, but I didn't know how in depth some of this stuff was. So it's been cool. All right. So you're riding on a fairly regular frequency, right? On a uh, on a KTM 450 SXF. Yep. So your whole life as an adult, you've been professional on like these great teams, right, with good support. So like right now, is this the most clapped out bike you've ever ridden? Like there's got to be 150 hours on your bike. Well, last summer, last summer I would say the bike was the most clapped out I ever had. Um, I ended up getting a new one. Mm. Oh, so, you did. Okay. Yeah. So this bike I have now, I already have to almost 20 hours on it already, and I got it like. Yeah, I didn't, know if it was, I didn't know if it was a new one or if it was the same one. So but either like, way, like, I've been riding on the same tires for the last month. So, like, <laughs> oh my God. and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I would rather not change a tire. Yeah. I would rather ride with it bald and not change it. That's just me. I'm sorry. Some people can call me lazy, but I'm not going to sit there and get frustrated. I'll go out there and have fun and yeah. ride the best I can with what I have. It seems like you appreciate all this, like, way more now. Oh, I mean, you have to. I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> but, like, you, Weimer, Dean, went road, like, to see that and see, like, this was – that was three dudes that were just the shit. Yeah. And you guys still are. But, like, it's cool to see you guys, all three of you, as you get older, you appreciate things differently than you used to. I mean, I definitely have a different aspect on, on the sport in a good way and a bad way. But I'm going to take the good and run with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess that's all you can do. Take the bad, dwell on it. It's not going to do you any good. Yeah. You know what, like – the big like a big thing that i've noticed with you there's so many people that when negative stuff happens in the industry they're like oh this is just so jaded like all these people are crooked they're out to get you and like you've had your share of like burn deals yeah you don't have that aspect of like the whole industry's crooked and out to get me like you know that there are some people that are kind of sketchy and you stay away from them but like overall you're positive about hey this is like what i enjoy the most of anything in life i mean i hate to say it, it just I, I just very neutral like mm-hmm. I don't want to cause problems. I just want to do it. I just want to do what I want to do, have fun doing it, mm-hmm. be happy, 
if this person's mad about that, I'm not going to dive into that just for no reason and put myself in that situation. Or if this person is mad at me for this or what, I'm not just going to worry about it. Ticks in the no drama zone. I like it. I mean, <laughs> it just causes, it honestly just makes it worse. Because yeah. you get roped in, it's addicting. Because mm-hmm. I know it is. I've been there. Yeah. You get in the mix of some little stuff happening. It, you're getting sucked in more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Waste a lot of energy being On, upset. For sure. Thinking. So, uh, let me ask you this. So, like, you're going to wait. You're going to keep your, you're going to keep your uh, self sharp. Are you going to actually build a program up and race after 2, 10, 20? Or are you going to just wait? So, like, this is, I still, like, kind of on the fence on what I want to do. I don't want to set a program up for the next six months for myself, like, training-wise, yet. Mm -hmm. Because I already know I'm here. Yeah. And for me to go to where I really kind of want to be isn't going to take very much. Yeah. Um, So, like... I think I might as well enjoy myself. Like I enjoy working out obviously. So mm-hmm. I'm going to stay consistent with that. Um, I mean, I've been consistent over the last, I've probably missed honestly, probably 15 days of training in the last two That's years. It? Yeah. Wow. So well, it, was there ever a time after you got suspended or after you got bad news where you're just like, F it. I'm eating pizza. And I mean, beer. Yeah, I mean, I have, but I still go train. Going to and then I wake up. No, then I wake up at six the next morning and go smash a run or go on a bike yeah. ride with you guys or with Casey Huntley or, yeah, it's just what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Alden's program made me that way. Um, Swanee's program was Sundays off, but for some reason, after I train with Alden, I feel guilty if I don't do something that day. Because mm-hmm. you think about it, you have twenty minutes during the day to do something. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I go for a 25 minute run, it's still doing something. I don't get your runs, dude. What do you like mean? Like when you're Instagramming running, I'm like, that's not even fun, man. Like running is like. Well, see, pain. the first time I ever started running, like consistently, was with Swanee. We would probably do it once a week or so. Mm-hmm. And then with Alden, it was once a week. And then when I got suspended, I was like, you know what? I'm starting to feel good. My pace has dropped and mm-hmm. I can maintain, like, like, I'm not pushing, pushing, but I'm maintaining a good pace, like moderate pace. And. Yeah. So I was like, I might as well just give this a shot and start running, doing intervals, doing this and doing that and playing around with it. And it's been been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So um, once you make improvement, in it, obviously it, it helps. Okay, so when you get used to running and you get used to that burn and everything, does it actually become fun? Because I know like a lot of people don't imagine cycling being fun because it's so tiring, right? But once you get used to that burn, you enjoy that burn? Well, it's, I think it's another level of burn, though. That's what you're saying. So when you do yeah. it, it's like an extra burn. Yeah. So it's kind of tough to, for some people, like for me, it's tough because I've trained for so long. Like me going on a run at nine minute miles, like that's easy. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that would be a like almost recovery pace for me. Yeah. So like if for, for someone like you to go do a three mile run at 12 minute miles, I wouldn't say that would be discrediting at all. Yeah. So like I wouldn't worry about pace numbers. Mm-hmm. nothing if that's my that's my advice for people out there trying to improve in fitness or whatever if uh don't compare yourself to others mm-hmm. go out so there are you saying that you don't strava your run no i definitely strava them yeah but I don't. so is it the same thing on the running side it's like oh there's a segment well that's weird like i i used to care all about that and i uh-huh. don't anymore at all you don't cycling though no oh dude come on you got that kid no. on that day Oh, that's the only one. <laughs> Literally, that's the only time I've gone KOM hunting in the last four or five years. So. Okay. Yeah. But I felt it that day, though. Yeah. 
and I wasn't riding and I'm not racing. So mm -hmm. normally it was priority was racing. Yeah, totally. Now I'm like, might as well just go get the KOM or try to. Definitely. You have to have this outlook. Like it's kind of obvious. You're like, yeah, I'm badass. I know it. Like, well, Dude, it's tough. You have to see him. badass. When you see him on a mountain bike, I'll go, hey, go as fast as you can up that hill. It looks like he's on an e-bike, dude. He's just <laughs> it's like the Bugs Bunny cartoons when the witch takes off. There's yeah. just a bobby pin in the air. Yeah, but like just listening to him, he's like, yeah, dude, I know. I'd like this is easy. Like you've unlocked that whole like, yeah, what's the limitation thing? I mean, there, there. If you put a limit on it, then it doesn't. Once you get to my point, like say I gave up and this is where I'm gonna be good enough. Like, mm -hmm. how are you fun? gonna? Well, how are you gonna get better? And then you're gonna go downhill from now. Mm -hmm. You might as well go up. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Right. Yeah. So. I don't know. Just it keeps it. It's just that competitiveness nature yeah. that we all have. That race dirt bikes are involved. I think with this sport, you just it's just natural. Do you think? Are you kind of worried about like when suspension's up, you get a call, you're gonna show for the race. You might like loop out on the starting line, huh? Because you're gonna be so pent up. <laughs> but then probably what happened, I would probably go the fastest I ever all yeah. did all all day. That's that would be me. Mm -hmm. Do something stupid. Fuel dying then go f two seconds a lap faster than what I did all day in practice or whatever. So that's kind of a, I guess you could call it a tickle move. Yeah. Has it been good to have like a year now, no injuries, you've allowed yourself to heal. It's not like, well, I have to fight through a nagging thing, this, or I can't do that. Well, I kind of hit on that. Cause that kind of brings up something for me. Like Dungy's success was revolved around him. Like um, obviously he was going to be good no matter what, but him being, that long healthy i feel it now you know what i mean like i feel like right now i'm in like probably the best shape i've ever been in because mm. i've trained the most consistently and kind of known when to push it known when not to mm -hmm. and i think it's just right there in front of you i mean it makes mm -hmm. sense if you can stay healthy in this sport you're gonna make progress and you're gonna get better mm -hmm. so it's about managing your effort um obviously for the younger guys it's tough because they just want to go win but at my age, like you kind of know where your limit is and you can kind of flirt with it a little bit, but I think it's, it's worth staying healthy mm -hmm. for years than it is to get injured and obviously sit out for another five, three, four months, five months, six months. You never know what could mm -hmm. happen. Yeah. Cause you've had some big, like some big ones. You know? Yeah. And so like, you honestly looking at it now, having a good year of recovery and like getting healthy, it yeah. doesn't seem like anything's affecting you. No, and I've noticed too, like myself, I, obviously everybody's different, but I haven't rode as much mm -hmm. and I feel better on the bike. Yeah. Like yeah, I've rode like once yeah. or twice a week. Mm -hmm. Obviously when I go, if whenever I'm planning to go racing, I'm going to ride more than that. But like mm -hmm. I do notice there can be too much of that going on to where it makes you go through the motions. Mm -hmm. You go out there and just, oh, I got to do a 20 today and some sprints. Yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> okay well let's do it at like 80 percent mm -hmm. i would rather go have two days a week where i 100%. smash it both days and then i'm pumped because mm -hmm. you feeling on a friday after you've done monday tuesday thursday friday and on friday you're smoked like you're not very in a good mood mm -hmm. you know what i mean so like i think there's a big balance there as well uh especially for myself because obviously if you go and smash it you feel good yeah but if you feel tired and you, you're not good that day you're questioning everything you're doing mm -hmm. and that's the last thing you want to be doing. Yeah. Hey, um, so in closing, you know, we recently got the 
the sentencing, right? Yeah. <clears throat> we were all hoping it was going to allow you to race the nationals this summer. Yeah. So I know you're preparing yourself mentally and physically for that. Had it come through the way we all hoped, had you been talking even casually to some teams about coming and joining? Yeah, I mean, I, I threw it out there. Obviously, everybody kind of felt the same way, and I felt the same way. It was mm -hmm. like, until you know, we don't really want to do anything. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, JGR, there was – I called them. I called J-Bone. Um, I talked to other people. Obviously, you and I talked maybe if we had to mm -hmm. figure out a way to get a bike and yeah. go go mm -hmm. do it. I mean, Put honestly – cycling really sprinter van. Honestly, I would have – if I could have raced – hang town and Paula, I probably would have just raced the bike I have. Like, I'm yeah. not saying that I would just go and do it and see where I was at. Um, obviously I know my speed's good. Um, but the, the class is stacked. So I, yeah. I would, I wouldn't be, the goal would have been to be top 10. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know I had the speed to run out there. So, so the, the bike you've been ridden, riding, the speed you've been going, it's like gotta be pretty impressive to you how good a production bike is. Yeah, obviously the main thing about a team and having them I have being on a team is just the maintenance issue. Mm -hmm. Fresh tires every single time. If the if it's rounded a little bit, you get a new tire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your wheels are getting blown out, they're getting a little squirrely. Let's throw new wheels on. Mm -hmm. Um there's a lot of time on the bike, okay, it needs to be framed. Like mm -hmm. last year my bike I turned I I basically got rid of it at like sixty eight hours or something. Mm -hmm. So like the thing was hammered two inches longer in wheelbase probably no it was it was pretty bad um i'm gonna tell you one thing it just uh riding professionally stock bites are great but once i think the mark is like 40 hours mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. before you like wheels are important obviously for us um suspension is important to a certain extent the engines on new 450s are all pretty good you don't really mm -hmm. need to do much but i mean it's just one of those things that it's just tough not um, easy. Hey, I'm, I'm reading this like MotoGP book and all these guys talk about us, how they're always chasing setup and stuff like that. Yeah. You don't have that now. And it seems like even for Dungey, as great as he was, he was always chasing setup and it was a big frustration point to Roger and the team. Now that you don't have to worry about, well, we're one clicker off here. We could try this. Yeah. Do you see where you could like mentally get over? Well, if it's not perfect, I can like kind of go around that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was kind of in that position. I mm -hmm. wouldn't say I was as bad cause, as Dungy or because I don't know, but mm -hmm. I was pretty particular about my setup. Um, but now having to ride a stock bike, um, Mark Johnson does my suspension now, and he's right down the street from me. So if I do have an issue, we do mm -hmm. we will make changes, but it's just us learning and it's me not learning a, a little bit. Yes. It's not like do a lap, come in. No, i just clicker. been, been mm -hmm. riding it the way it is, and if he's busy and can't revalve it, then I just ride it. So. That's kind of how it is. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, this was good. I had fun. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Well, um, yeah, we're out of time here. So, Tickle, thanks for coming pee. by. You got to pee? <laughs> yeah. You got to pee in your... I saw a bike in the back of your truck. You're going riding today. No, I'm getting oh, getting it tuned up. Getting it tuned up. Yeah. Nice. Well, hey, thanks for coming by, bud. Yeah, no and, worries. Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch up to you soon. And uh, thank you guys for listening to the 60 Helmets Kickstart Podcast.